Hosting and bandwidth provided by the Blue Box Group. Check them out at bluebox.net. You're fantastic at coding, but do you have an action plan to take it to the next level? The upcoming book, Next Level Freelance, will help you optimize your freelance business for happiness. The book is packed with actionable steps to make more money, case studies, tips to find more clients, and exercises for you to establish your desired lifestyle. Extras include nine interviews with freelancers who make great money while enjoying great work-life balance, videos on strategies to find quality subcontractors, and videos on making more free time by outsourcing your daily tasks. Check it out today, nextlevelfreelance.com. This episode is sponsored by PlanScope. PlanScope is a project management and collaboration app built for freelancers and the way they work with clients. It makes it easy to price out new estimates and once you're underway, help answer the question, will this get done on time and under budget? I've been using PlanScope to do my estimates and manage my projects and I really, really like it. It makes it really easy to keep things in order and understand when things will get done. You can go check it out at planscope.io. Hey everybody and welcome to episode 99 of the Freelancer Show. This week on our panel we have Reuven Lerner. Hi everyone. Mandy Moore. Hello. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv and we have a special guest this week and that's Najaf Ali. Hi there. So do you want to introduce yourself for those who don't know who you are? Uh, sure. Yeah, I'm uh, Ali. I'm a Ruby on Rails uh, freelancer. I run a very small consultancy that's going to hire its first employee uh, next week, I think. And I also do a Rails security workshop uh, every couple of months. So that's what I've got going on. But for the most part, I'm just a regular Ruby on Rails freelancer. Oh, cool. So this week, we're going to be talking about uh, mentoring. Have you done a lot of mentoring? Yes, at at the moment um I'm doing mentoring uh through a variety of different channels. I guess I'm doing uh like training events with this group called Codebar who like do uh sort of outreach to people in from underrepresented communities in sort of technical circles. Uh and I also uh mentor people basically basically anybody who gets in touch via email and asks for like help getting into this industry. Yeah, it makes sense. I've done a fair bit myself. Um I do coaching, I do workshops and I have a Ruby on Rails online course that I do. So and that includes basically free coaching for the 12 weeks that it goes. So, I'm curious, how would you guys distinguish between training and, and mentoring, or if there is really a distinction? And the topic is, I think, relevant. Um, if you're like cre- teaching people how to program and like going into their pull requests and telling them that you know this might be a better way of doing it, I personally would count that as training. Whereas if you're saying you know if you want to like get a job as a developer or get your first job or or get a, a better job, then uh, if you're mentoring them in terms of you know their online presence and like talking at events and stuff, then that I would count more as mentoring. But the distinction is, I guess, a little bit arbitrary. Yeah, I, I think I actually would have defined those exactly the opposite way, actually. <laughs> right, okay, yeah, so like, it's, it's just like the vocabulary, right, so, um, yeah. Yeah, I tend to think of training more along the lines of, like, in-classroom, you know, a little bit more impersonal. Mentoring is, you know, helping somebody kind of come along with their skill set, but in a in a more personal sit-down, let's-talk kind of way. Right. One other thing that I think is interesting is that I've worked with several guys that are and I say guys because I don't think I've had any coworkers, at least in the when I worked for a company that were women that I needed to mentor or help out. So anyway, I've mentored several people that I worked with, and, and with them it was much less formal and more or less just when they needed help, needed a hand, needed something explained to them. That's what I was doing. I think there are a lot of different ways of mentoring. Sure. I mean, one question that uh, I kind of have um, for you guys is if you've done mentoring before, um, like, what is your reason for doing it? What is the value that you're personally getting out of that interaction with uh, someone else? It sort of depends. So, I mean, I, I do a whole lot of different kind of 
training and I, I sort of see training sort of like what Chuck said, where it's kind of like classroom lecturing and talking. But then a lot of my work is also uh, sort of more consulting, uh, which can variously be development and it can also be what I sort of see is more the mentoring, which is like sitting down and pairing, talking to someone, sort of talking through their code, talking through things they don't understand, much more sort of one-on-one. <laughs> I sometimes call it like being a doctor. Tell, tell me what hurts you or tell me what problems you have long-term. Right. And so what I get out of it, I mean, obviously there's like the, I, I get out of it business from clients, but beyond that, I get a huge sense of satisfaction that this person does not understand something. They have a real conceptual block or they've written something really poorly and I'm not going to go and fix it for them because yeah, that might fix the code, but that's not really going to help things. I'm going to sort of walk them through it and help them through the thought process so that they can sort of understand the concepts behind it and then the future be able to do it themselves. Uh, yeah, I totally agree with like that sense of uh, satisfaction you get from teaching someone. Um, I run a security workshop for kind of intermediate to advanced uh, Ruby on Rails developers. And for at the end of the workshop, like the last three or four exercises, I basically go through a remote code execution vulnerability that is very easy to sort of uh, creep into your application. And just watching developers sort of get about three quarters of the way through the exercise realizing how serious it is, it is and turning around looking at me and saying okay i've got to stop the exercise now because i need to go and check my code to make sure it's not vulnerable to this um that, <laughs> is, that is really satisfying because it, it means that finally it's clicked like they've understood like how serious it is and they go away and get it so that's yeah an, an immense amount of satisfaction comes out of that so yeah that's pretty cool well i'm doing a lot of mentoring right now because it's going to eventually benefit me in the long run because as i'm um expanding my business to dev reps. I'm actually training my fiance to do some audio editing so that eventually he can help me out and we can take on more podcasts and take on more clients and make more money. I'm also going to be doing the same thing with my stepsister in a little while after she has her baby and the same thing. I'll be teaching her to do something to take off my plate so that I can expand my business. Yeah, the, the same kind of thing for me, both with subcontractors and sometimes with Mandy or some of the other folks, you know, if there's something that I need done and I need them to understand, then I wind up, uh, you know, kind of mentoring them there as well. But, you know, there's that payoff. The other thing is, is that it's, for me, there's a lot of satisfaction that goes into the having somebody get it, you know, having somebody, you know, have that moment where it clicks, like you were saying, Ollie. It just, it's it's really kind of fun, you know. It's like, oh, okay. You know, and then their life's better, or at least their code's better. Right. For me personally, um, in terms of security, I'm always the guy on the team that is like really like focused on security. So it feels like I'm always complaining in a vacuum and I have to fix every vulnerability that I find by myself and nobody else really cares. Uh, but by teaching other people, I'm getting them to fix the vulnerabilities for me in other code. So I'm building, making the software, like in my community, in London at least, a little bit more secure kind of, but with one step removed from the actual software itself. So that's pretty cool. Right. So it's it sort of sounds like, at least in, in software, like this sort of mentoring has like three benefits. So there's the benefit of improving the code. It has the benefit of helping the person to improve um, as I guess your personal benefit of then, you know, feeling the satisfaction. And then of course, on top of it, there's the business benefit of hopefully this person and the people who work with them are going to say, Hey, I really got a lot of, uh, I got a huge amount of value out of working with that person. And they're going to spread your name around as a person who's, who's worth working with. So it's like really a win-win for everyone. 
or win 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 or something. <laughs> the only thing I, I would I would add to that is um especially if you're a freelancer and and you want like a um an extra bit of income doing workshops like paid workshops is a fantastically lucrative thing to pursue. Um like I mean when I first started doing them it was it was something like you know a month of work almost full time to get the prep ready for it but now I can turn up with like maybe about you know half an hour or an hour's prep and I'm ready to do the workshop and it nets me something like my freelance income for about 2 weeks so um it's just from a business point of view not only like having the word of mouth but also just the amount of cash that it brings in is really really good yeah that makes sense that's actually something that I'm working on right now I'm going to be doing a workshop here in uh, Salt Lake. And it's, it's really interesting. And it came out of another form of mentoring, which is on the mailing list for the Utah Ruby users group. You know, so you can get involved that way. You can help people out on list. And then somebody mentioned, well, gee, it sure be nice if there was a workshop I could go to. And, and so I mentioned, well, I, you know, I have my Ruby on Rails course. I could do the workshop and people got excited. So, you know, it was just kind of interesting to see how that worked out, but it's definitely something that you can do. I think Ali, you've also been very smart in that focusing on security. That's something where like people need to know about it. Uh, I, I mean, you can sort of be better or worse at programming or doing database optimization or something like that. But at the end of the day, everyone realizes that if your web application is vulnerable, your business is vulnerable. And so I think by going into that niche, not only was it smart to go into a niche, but a niche that people see as extremely valuable. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you just fell into it or if you just ha- or or if you did it on purpose, but that was very good. So uh, we've talked about you know you have like kind of the in person thing, you know the the workshops. There are other ways of doing it, I guess, where you you have the one on one training, which is what Mandy was talking about. And then you know I mentioned mailing lists. I also sometimes get on one on one over Skype. Uh, you know, do some pair programming or with some of my clients. You know, we just sit down and discuss different things that they could be doing. You know, where it's more of a phone call or of, you know, face-to-face video chat or something like that. Are there other ways of mentoring people that you guys can think of? I'm not sure if it counts as uh, one of the other ways you mentioned, but like doing stuff remotely. I'm hiring a developer uh, who's starting next week. But I say she's a developer, but she's learning to program pretty much from scratch. And yeah, like we've been sort of working on like exercises via Trello and GitHub and just sort of working on like via pull requests and giving each other feedback and what have you. So um, I'm not sure if that counts as the same as what you were talking about with doing stuff over Skype, but uh, it's not in person. It's completely remote. So I'm not sure how successful it's going to be, but we seem to be making a lot of progress so far. That's very similar to something that I've done with some of my coaching clients where basically I take a bit of their code. And I know this is very code-centric, but I think it applies, a lot of these apply to other fields. But I've actually uh, gone over some of their work and uh, recorded a video uh, code review, basically. So I look over their work and then I give them feedback on the video that explains, you know, I, I would have done this this way and here's why. You know, you're, you're heading for a gotcha here with this. Um, this looks really nice. I do this thing a little bit differently and, and just kind of give them that feedback on, on how, you know, how to approach some of that stuff. And yeah, it's not in person either then. It's, it's a recorded video. Yeah. I've, I've spoken to two companies in the last few months. Uh, I haven't done anything with either of them yet. I'm not sure exactly what stage they're at, but one of them is called Hack Hands and the other one is called Block.io and both of them are, trying to sort of provide online mentoring services. And Hackhands is more like, I mean, again, I've just seen sort of a demo, but it's more like sort of an uh, IRC chat with screen sharing or editor sharing. Mm-hmm. And so basically, if someone has a problem, they can go into this chat room and you know, get help from someone online. 
And I'm not sure exactly whether, I think they charge per hour or something. But I think the idea is then if someone has a problem, they can sort of go. And I think they can sort of rehire the same person again and again and over time do it. And they're trying to provide something that's a little uh, sort of more code-centric than just basic screen sharing. This other company that I spoke to that, again, I haven't done anything with is called Block or Block.io, where they're trying to teach people to code from scratch. And they have this their own sort of curriculum but they like people to mentor online. I think the idea is, yeah, you can work through the curriculum on your own, but they're looking for people to sort of teach, but not teach the whole thing, just when people are stuck and when people need this sort of long-term, helpful, find the conceptual problem that people are having and help them work through it. So there do seem to be some platforms growing up around this sort of idea to make it more of a, a business and not just sort of find someone out there on the web. Yeah, that makes sense. I kind of want to move through some of these different ways of mentoring people, some of the different avenues that we've got, and just talk about each one, kind of the pros and cons, and and make suggestions about how to do it. And so, you know, it seems like we're talking about some of this online uh, mentorship where, you know, you're not necessarily in person. Should we talk about maybe some of the live online stuff, and then we can talk about some of the not live, I guess? (laughs) Dead online stuff. The deferred deferred, uh, mentorship. Asynchronous mentorship, yeah. There you go. Oh, oh, there we go. That's a much better way. Yeah. Sure. Sounds great. So the the online live mentorship, what tools do you guys use when you're doing that kind of thing? So I've done it a, a, a bunch of times with a, different people, and I'm always sort of trying new things. So there's something called tmux.me, which is pretty great. I mean, tmux is this wonderful thing that allows you to share screens, and you can set it up on servers and on, 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 on. But the configuration can be a little tricky for someone who doesn't know what they're doing, or if you just want to sort of do it quickly. And so tmuxme is this like ridiculously easy way to set up a tmux session and share a screen with someone else. So as long as you're okay with a text editor, sort of not a GUI editor, but if you're okay with Vim or Emacs, then it works fantastically well. tmux is yeah, like yeah. command line only, so... Yeah. If you're doing but, that kind but, of mentorship, it works great. Yeah. Wait, are there people out there who don't use Emacs? I've heard vicious rumors, but I've yet to meet such in the wild. Uh-oh, um, I'm in hostile territory. I better not say anything. <laughs> <yet>. <laughs> and then there's another company that I've seen more and more people have heard of called Join Me, which is definitely one of my favorite uh, URLs out there. And that's a full screen sharing thing. So you can really see the person's full screen and window. And if you're using one of those new fangled GUI editors uh, or multiple windows, then you can use that too. And I've used both of them on different occasions and I've been pretty happy with both. Yeah, I want to jump in here because I think I think we're talking about two different things. If you're if you're uh, doing IT work, then Tmux is terrific. If you're doing mentoring for something else, um, I think this is much more along the lines of, you know, maybe uh, business people or, you know, basically processes where you need to be able to see the person's set up and, and actually look at what they're doing and maybe even take control, then, you know, Tmux isn't going to work for you. You're going to have to use something else. One well, of the, I mean, and that's where I mean, it depends if you're setting up servers, right? You know, but, yeah. but you're right that if it's, it's more of a businessy thing, you're totally right. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're showing somebody how to edit podcasts, that's something that Mandy mentioned or do somebody's books or something like that, then you're probably looking at something else. And so I've used one called Screen Hero. And that's, uh, it. that's a good one. It's, it's a terrific tool. It allows you to share just one window or you can share your entire screen. I have two monitors so I can pick which screen I'm sharing. And that's worked out really nicely, even with programming, you know, where I needed to share the web browser so I could see what somebody else is seeing. The other one that I use a lot for screen sharing is actually Skype. And we mentioned that before. The difference between Screen Hero and Skype is that Skype is one way. So you can, you can see, but you can't touch. 
so to speak. With Screen Hero, you can actually move the mouse on the other person's machine. If they're just sharing a window, that window has to be in focus on their machine, but then you can also control the window there too. And so it's pretty handy. Um, I've also used GoToMeeting, um, which is kind of like Join Me, except it has its own client. And uh, that works out pretty nicely. And GoToMeeting actually has recording features in it and uh, things like that. Reuven mentioned Google Hangouts in the chat, and that's also works kind of the same way. GoToMeeting is a little bit higher fidelity, I found, than uh, Google Hangouts. The sound quality is better. Video quality is a little bit more reliable. But uh, it's not free. So, I mean, that's that's one trade-off there. Um, I'm trying to think because I've used several others. Uh, one that I've heard of that I haven't actually used, um, you know, in for actually doing meetings yet, but I've just sort of played around with, uh, is Squiggle. Apparently, that's the new hotness in terms of videos and screens. There's no screen sharing involved there, but as far as like a video chat sort of thing goes, um, it's really good if you've got like a remote conversation, like over the course of um, two or three hours, and you just want to jump into and out of conversations, uh, like as like you have a problem rather than have one sort of continuous um, sort of video chat. Yeah, and that squiggle with a W. Not with the U after the Q. <laughs> That's why I couldn't find it now. I was spelling it right. Silly me. Yeah. And then uh, one other that I've used is TeamViewer. TeamViewer is probably the best one that I've used. The problem that I've had or that I have with TeamViewer is that the license is rather expensive. And if you're going to use it for commercial use, you're supposed to have one. So if you're going to use it for mentoring somebody or something like that where you're getting paid, then uh, you you're technically not supposed to be able to use it. But if you're, you know, if you're using it like I used it to do some tech support for my mom, that's free. She's not paying me. I can't just have her tell me what she's seeing over the phone on Windows Seven. I used to be able to do that on Windows XP, but I can't do it anymore on Windows Seven. So, you know, I just got in and fixed something for her on Firefox or something. And so that's a pretty good tool if you're just kind of out of the kindness of your heart helping somebody learn. There's another one that I've been looking at using, but I haven't actually tried it yet. It's called Fusebox, F-U-Z-E, box.com. You know, all of these are kind of the same idea. You're sharing a screen and you're able to see it and give them pointers. Of the ones that we've talked about, the only ones that I know you can take control of the other person's screen or window are Screen Hero and TeamViewer. Yeah, that that's pretty important, I found. Way. I mean, it, it's one thing to be able to show the screen, but... I often find that if, let's say I'm working with someone and they're showing their screen to me and we're talking over Skype or Google Hangouts, very often I, I get frustrated. I'm like, oh, I just want to type here. And, and I type faster than they do often. Although you could argue that as a learning experience, it's probably better for them to do the typing and just sort of hear what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I have to say that, especially when you're mentoring people who are, are new to programming, having to sit and wait to watch them type stuff out is probably the most frustrating element of the whole process. Yep. One other thing I want to point out is that a lot of these uh, work with varying success on Linux. Most of them work fine on Mac and Windows, but I know that some of our audience are uh, Linux wonks, and so some of these work or work with varying uh, success. So just be aware of that. I know that join.me is Linux-friendly. GoToMeeting really isn't. Skype is hit or miss for most people that I've, I've talked to. And I'm not sure about TeamViewer. I don't remember if they do Linux or not. I think they do. Anyway, just to point that out. So yeah, yeah, I just I just went to their website and they they do have a Linux client on TeamViewer. Okay. So the other question I have related to uh, kind of this online mentoring then is 
what techniques do you use? Because like if you're sitting next to somebody, the communication is pretty easy. You know, you're, you're right there. You can grab the keyboard if you have to. You, you know, you can gesture as much as you want. How do you compensate for that when you're doing online mentoring where you're using something where maybe they can see your face, uh, maybe they can see your screen or you can see theirs? Uh, wh- what techniques do you use? I think what usually happens with me is I start using video and then it just ends up having problems because it's consuming so much of the bandwidth, either for me or the person I'm working with. And so we end up turning off the video and then we end up just like trying to talk a lot and and speak a lot to each other. And I would say the frustrating thing in that is not that there's no video per se, but that I I tend to be, uh, I, I tend to draw a lot on whiteboards or pieces of paper or whatever. So sometimes I just need to sort of open a drawing program somewhere and then squiggle a little bit so they can see things. Yeah, I like that. It's it's really hard to do. One thing that I found that really helps me when it's when it's a remote uh situation is being able to do all kinds of different things. So you have the screen sharing, you have the voice chat, you have uh sometimes I have my webcam pointed at me and uh looks like it actually fell off when I was doing some work in here because I don't see it on top of my monitor. Anyway, um, so but the, but that helps because then they can see my facial expressions and things like that. And then the other thing is is just, uh, you know, having the, the chat channel and everything else because then I can copy and paste links. I can, you know, we can share the screen and be looking at the same thing. You know, we, you know, when I pair programming, we have Tmux open with Emacs and we're doing that. And, you know, so we have all of these different media that, uh, allow us to communicate in the different ways that are appropriate to what we're doing. And so then if I do need to send a link over Skype, I can just do that. Somebody can click it and that works out because it just opens up in their browser. If it's some code segment or sample, then we can, you know, open up a new uh, buffer in Emacs and, uh, you know, type in or copy in or whatever. And uh, then, you know, uh, we can show the results in a shared window on the browser. So... You know, it it really pays off to have all of these different tools and understand, you know, where you can put things. And then and then that way you can uh, open up the communication and do it in the most effective way. So what about in-person? What do we think about in-person mentorship? Is it easier or harder? I think it's easier because you have, like, the full bandwidth of all communication. And if you want to type, you can type. If you want to draw, you can draw. If you want to take a break, you can take a break. You know, you can sort of walk down the hall together. It, it just opens up more possibilities. I'd have to agree, uh, agree wholeheartedly. Yeah, I I tend to agree as well. I mean, you basically have all the same tools at your disposal as you do with doing it, you know, remotely. Except the difference is is that you're both looking at the same machine, so you're effectively having the same experience. the The flip side is is that I've found that when I'm online and doing pairing, pair programming, or doing something else where I'm actually sitting down and helping somebody through something. I found that it's easier for me to stay on task in those situations where when when we're both there in person, you know, we, we, we can wind up chatting about something else or get sidetracked by something that's in the restaurant we're sitting in or things like that. And so I, I tend to prefer online, you know, depending on what we're doing, just because it's, it's easier for me to stay on task and it's easier for me to keep the person I'm working with on task. I was actually like when I'm working with people in person. It's true that we're usually working on their computer, but I usually have my computer around separately just because I have my environment and it's set up and I can do things faster with it. So very often they'll say, oh, well, why is it working that way? And then I'll open up Pry, for instance, and then just sort of walk them through it in my on my computer where they can see it faster and more easily. And then we'll go back and keep working on theirs. 
I, I want to hear Mandy's take on this. Do you have them work on their machine or yours? And do you find that it's a barrier making them do it on their machine instead of on yours where you have everything set up the way you like it? Well, I actually have uh, three computers now that I have set up the same way. So, of of course, you know, I have the best computer. Um, I have the newer MacBook, but I do have an older MacBook, which is a lot, lot slower than my computer. So that's another, you know, place where patience kind of comes in as far as that goes. But um, it's set up the exact same way. So I'll sit down right next to somebody, show them, click here, then click here, and they're basically just mirroring exactly what I'm doing. And then I'll, you know, I'll, I'll show them what I'm, what I'm doing. And I'll say, like, okay, now I stopped the recording. What do you think I stopped it for? What, what's the reason do you think I stopped it for? And they'll be like, well, somebody said, um, or you stopped it because there was a long pause or you stopped it because it was a repeat word. So I'll kind of quiz them along with my teaching them, you know, so then they can, you know, tell me what is wrong and I can be like, yes or no. Hmm, That's interesting. I guess it's the perks of being the boss and providing the equipment, right? You set it up the way you want it. Yep. Yep. It's exactly why I have two Macs and one Windows. So really we don't use the Windows one all that much anymore, but it's still you know, basically the same. I'll say that some, sometimes like actually not infrequently, I'll do something on my computer and some will say, wow, how did you do that so fast? So, and then I'll show them whatever shortcut or setup or configuration I've got. So little by little, my, uh, you know, my various techniques are, and, and shortcuts are making their way to the computers at all my clients offices, mm-hmm. which is kind of a fun feeling. Yeah, same, same here. I kind of, I start out with some of the little things because there's a lot of shortcuts that I can use, but as not to overwhelm somebody, I just kind of show them the basics to get the job done. And then if somebody asks, how did you just do that so fast? I'll be like, well, you just press command, whatever. And that does what it does. I have to say, that's one of the things I like about having people work on my setup especially people who are a little more advanced in, than I am in some areas, is that then I wind up getting mentored in that way. Well, that's a good point. As far as recording, uh, you know, or in, a, in other ways, uh, mentoring people when you're not either in person or live online, Ali, you mentioned that you do a bit of this. What do you do and, and what kind of techniques do you employ to get the point across? Uh, so basically, uh, when I'm not online and I'm doing, um, stuff like, um, uh, mentoring somebody who sort of remotely, um, I basically give them exercises to do and then, uh, give them feedback on their answers. Um, I think Reuven was saying before about how it's much easier to do this in person and it's so true. Like, um, I'm working with this person and it's stuff like they haven't indented their hammer properly, which means that if I was sitting next to them, I could fix that in like a split second. But because it's online, it takes like a day for them to give me the, the code and for me to feed back to them. So uh, it definitely has its challenges. But um, a lot of the time, because you're not there to fix the problems for them, they have to figure out the, pro- the solution on their own, which takes them hours, but they often end up learning a lot that way. So there's pros and cons uh, either way. Yeah, that, that definitely makes sense. And, and that's something that I've experienced with my courses and with some of my coaching clients. So I'll, I'll re- record a screencast and I'll, you know, kind of semi live, you know, where it's, 
they can watch me fix it. Um, and I'll, I'll do that. But yeah, a lot of times by the time I've gotten back to them, they figured it out on their own. But I do try and make myself available if I'm, especially with the courses so that, you know, I can short circuit those couple of hours because a couple of hours of Googling isn't that productive other than them figuring out where to look for the answer. But if I turn around and I can answer their question in a few minutes and say, and, and here are a couple of examples of where you could have gotten the answer, then a lot of times, you know, I saved them a couple of hours and then they can figure out, okay, so, you know, these kind of stack overflow questions or these kinds of issues on GitHub or whatever um, are places where I can go and look and get answers to these questions. I, 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 th- I thought, by the way, Betty, when you were talking about uh, the way you were asking questions, um, I was actually at an education conference just today, and uh, we were looking at the transcript of a teacher in a classroom and talking about how were they a good teacher or a bad teacher and techniques. And it was clear that this teacher was very effective and very good. And the teacher never said or almost never said, you're wrong, you made a mistake. But rather, the teacher was uh, always saying, well, what do you think about this? Or can you explain to me what you did here? And by using that questioning, it both uh, softened the blow and it made the person really think better. So I was, I was very impressed to hear that that's the way you try to do things. And truth be told, uh, in the wake of that, I'm going to really try to sort of monitor myself when I talk to people, either, either mentoring or training, because I think it should be really f- effective to talk that way. Yeah, the technique that you're describing is the Socratic method. Um, it's pretty popular in law schools. Believe it or not, I was actually looking at going to law school at one point. But anyway, um, so it's... Wow. <laughs> yeah, long, another story. Um, but anyway, uh, so yeah, and that that's basically what it is, is you ask questions and you get answers and you try and use that technique to stimulate critical thinking and, uh, you know, make them really think about not just what, but why. And so, yeah, and, and it's very effective. I want to try, kind of change uh, directions here for a minute and talk about being mentored. Uh, do you guys have people that you go to as mentors? I do, yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. I hadn't really thought about that, but yes. Uh, not officially that uh, like I'm in contact with, but people who um, I listen to the advice of a lot of uh, a lot. Yes, I suppose. And how do you pick those folks? They pick me. <laughs> <laughs> I feel Good so answer. much better about our relationship now, Mandy. <laughs> <laughs> I just gave myself a whole lot more credit than I deserve. <laughs> how about you, Ali? How do you how do you pick the people that are your mentors, so to speak? Typically, uh, I'll have read something by them that kind of resonates with me quite well. That that has a lot of things that that either are useful to me uh, or I've already put into practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way. I was listening to uh, at New Media Expo, Michael Hyatt. He used to be the, what, CEO of Thomas Nelson Publishing, and now he has a whole series of podcasts and things that talk about, you know, sort of being productive and, and you know, living your life to the fullest and things like that. And he, he gave a talk at New Media Expo, and he talked about basically, I think it was like five things that every uh, freelancer or every, well, I took it freelancer, but it's basically every business person should do in building their platform. And I, if I remember correctly, one of them was, to basically, you know, choose mentors. And then somebody else somewhere along the line, I don't know where I heard this, but basically they said, yeah, you basically choose two or three people out there and you you just consume everything they, they produce. And uh, you do that for a year and then you pick new people the next year. So they can be your mentors without actually one-on-one or through a class or anything, you know, basically being that person that's giving you direct advice but uh, you can still take what they're telling you and, and learn stuff from it. 
Right. I, I guess I would tend to sort of think that mentoring involves a little bit of interaction and not just consuming what they're saying. Although, you know, there's certainly plenty of people whose stuff I read for years and I think, wow, I, I should keep following their advice because they have really good advice. Yeah. Well, the other thing is, is that sometimes you can get that interaction either by hiring them or by, you know, simply talking to them. And and that works out well as well. And I do I do take some people that I know personally or have the opportunity to interact with and, uh, you know, find opportunities to, to get to interact with them. So some of my mentors that, you know, that some people on this or some of my other shows will know, you know, a lot of the, the guests on my shows are not the guests, the, the regular podcasters, the regular uh, panelists. Um, I take as mentors. So, you know, people like David Brady on the Ruby Rogues podcast, just because I can go and have lunch with him or James or um, Avdi or Josh. I mean, they're all top notch. Katrina's taught me a whole bunch of stuff about programming and about just life in general. Um, on this show, you know, Reuven and, and Eric and Curtis always have good suggestions for me about my situation and what's going on there. And sometimes I just pick stuff up off the show because we're talking about it. So it it's you know it's it's really awesome and then if I do have a question and I know that Eric or Reuven or you know somebody else has gone through something like that then I can ask for their advice and uh you know Mandy technically works for me but a lot of the things that uh she's had some life experience that I just haven't and so you know I've been able to ask her about some things and get her advice on stuff the other thing is is she tends to know better than anyone else the stuff that I have going on and so she can offer me perspective in in ways that other people really can't you know and then my wife you know is kind of my ultimate you know sounding board for things and uh, she has a lot of insight for things and even if she's not an expert in programming or running a business she still has insights that can pay off for me so you know there there are a lot of people out there that you can find to be that mentor and you know especially if you know what their background is and and how you can benefit you know then you can start asking the right questions to the right people and get the insight that you need uh one thing i kind of struggle with is uh having mentors and people who i get advice from sort of who are all in the same circle so are all ruby developers or are all like bootstrap business owners so sometimes it helps me to speak to business people from sort of outside my like uh, like close circle just so that I can get sort of uh, feedback from a completely different point of view just to see like what they would tell me and often I end up thinking to myself okay I need to get my act together on marketing or sales when I speak to people like that or something that we just don't talk about that much uh, within our kind of circle mm-hmm. yeah that's definitely true for me too and it's easy to do right because you're you're already talking to those people in those circles in your circles Right. Um, so I think for me, uh, my clients uh, ended up being very good mentors for that sort of thing because they're typically business people as opposed to developers. And especially if you're, you become sort of good friends with them, they'll give you advice like, you know, uh, business basics that are obvious to them that you, to, to them, you're doing wrong. Uh, so I found that extremely useful. Uh, let, let me add that, um, part of being a good mentor, maybe just part of being a good person is admitting you're wrong and some humility. Like I, uh, I, I was at a client, I guess about two weeks ago and I was working with someone for about an hour and I don't know if I was tired or not feeling well or just <laughs> not, not doing the, the best work I could. And basically I said, that, Oh yes, you can do the code in this and this and this way. And so yesterday, two days ago, I get email from someone who was reviewing that code, the pull request of the company. And they said, uh, you really said this code was okay. <laughs> and I looked at it, I thought, Hmm, I did say that that was really not good. 
And uh, so I, I made it clear to the person whom I'd been mentoring, as well as the person doing the code review, I'm, I'm glad that someone looked this over and know this was really a bad idea. And I think that was like a way better way to go about it than saying, sort of standing my ground and saying, no, 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 we must continue in the way that I said. It's always going to be a give and take. And I think you guys will probably agree that I've learned so, so, so much from teaching and mentoring. Like that's easily half or more of what I know. Uh, with me, like I, I'm the same, right? Um, I used to think I knew stuff and then I tried teaching it to people and realized how little I actually clearly understand. So, um, it makes you kind of focus your, your thinking and be very clear about what you mean and really find out whether or not you actually deeply understand the things you claim to be an expert on. So for me, it was a huge learning experience. Yes, I, I've been called out on, on some things when I've been editing my podcast. Somebody will look at me and say, well, you missed that. And I'm like, hey, I taught you. Don't be, you know, you just called me on something that I, I totally missed. And it, it, it's kind of humbling. Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious, who do you guys look to as mentors? I, I would say right now, Brennan Dunn has been giving me a huge amount of help and mentoring. Uh, I mentioned when he was on that I, I'm a member of his Freelancers Guild. And I feel like between him personally and just sort of the other people there, and especially my mastermind group from there, I've been getting just an incredible amount of useful information. Yeah, that's, that's probably like my number one source of great information and, and ideas nowadays. And Yeah, Brennan Dunn's awesome. Yeah, he is. I've learned a lot from Avdi Grimm and his wife, Stacy. Avdi got me started, as everybody knows by now, and he's really been patient, introduced me to people. He taught me how to edit podcasts and all that kind of stuff. So he's always been a very, very strong influence on me. And I also continue to learn from just listening to the freelancer show every week because I'm editing it. I, I learn tips and tricks all the time. Yeah, I want to say that, uh, you know, the two people that got me into freelancing and really helped me along were uh, Eric Davis and Evan Light. And uh, Evan used to be a panelist on this show, and Eric still is, and uh, they've just offered invaluable uh, advice. One other person that has really um, paid off for me, and I'm part of his mastermind group, uh, that mastermind started out focused a whole lot more around podcasting, but has since kind of shifted toward entrepreneurship, um, and that's uh, Cliff Ravenscraft over at PodcastAnswerMan.com. And uh, he's he's just offered some tremendous advice for me. And, uh, you know, has really helped me kind of get some perspective on some of the things that I'm doing. So another kind of terrific person that I, I am lucky to have personal contact with. For me, uh, it's got to be Patrick McKenzie. Uh, basically, every decision I've had to make in my career, like in my 20s, has pretty much been due to a Patrick McKenzie blog post. He's just um, brilliant. And I think most of my work I'm doing now, sort of branching out from freelancing, doing mentoring and the workshops has been inspired either directly or indirectly by him. Awesome. Yeah, I like Patrick. He was on the Ruby Rogues podcast once. It's just a brilliant guy. I've been sort of taking his advice in the very slow lane. Like I'll, I'll, I'll read his advice. I'll say, oh, that makes so much sense. And then I think about a year or two later, I'll say, you know, I think it's time to actually do what he said. And when I start doing it, I'm like, I really should have done that you a know long what? I'm time ago. Exactly the same. I'm literally like, because his advice is so dense, right? There's just so much content that, um, you know, I'll read a blog post and I, I read like in, in 2010 or something, and I'm still not yet ready to implement the advice he's got there. The stuff he's got now, maybe I'll get to in like three years time, right? So, um, yeah. <laughs> yep. Awesome. 
Well, there, there's so much more that we could talk about with some of this stuff, but uh, we're getting toward the end of our time. Are, are there any other aspects of mentoring or mentorship that we should go over before we... I, I guess I guess we didn't talk about how to find a mentor. Just ask. The yep. worst they can do is say no. Yep. And even then Wait. you can kind of stalk them, right? Yeah. You just <laughs> tweet them and you, you don't go away and... <laughs> Yeah, and, just stalk them. And, That's my strategy, pretty much. Just <laughs> well, so one thing I want to throw in on this is that you know, so you ask them, "Hey, do you, you know, can you be my mentor? Or can I, you know, send you periodic questions or however you want to approach that?" I mean, if they tell you no, you can always still there are still other avenues to get their attention and um, get their advice. And one of them is we did a podcast on this. I think it was on Ruby Rogues as well. It might have been on the Teach Me to Code podcast. But uh, there are a lot of techniques for, for getting in there, and one of them is, uh, I don't remember who it was that coined it, but he, he said, uh, it, like, sweeping the dojo. And so basically what you do is you go in and you you take care of some small thing that that person doesn't have time or inclination to do. So on a software project, you could be writing documentation or fixing minor bugs or things like that where you're, you know, you're setting yourself up to get their feedback on those things. And then when you come back and you ask them a question, you know, on something that you know that they know about but isn't directly related to what you've done, they know who you are, they they know about what your skill level is on those areas, and so a lot of times they're willing to help you out anyway. And so, you know, if you give something back to them, a lot of times then you can get the attention that you want and get the the mentorship that you're craving. And a lot of times they may just have the answers out there anyway. I mean, you guys mentioned Patrick McKenzie. You know, he puts out great stuff and he may have the answer in a blog post. And, you know, so you may email him and ask for his advice and he may point you to something that he's already put out there. Yeah. And a lot of times you can just have somebody be your mentor without them even knowing that Mm -hmm. they're mentoring you. Because I've never come right out and said to Avdi, you know, you've really been my mentor for the past two years. It's just emailing him once in a while for some advice. Yep. I, I would say also, if someone asks you to mentor them, I mean, there are f- obviously there are a few different approaches, right? One is to say, no, I just don't have time for this. Another is to say, no, I can't be because I don't know enough. But truth be told, you almost certainly do know enough. Worst case scenario, you'll learn along the way, as we've said, like you'll learn something. It's totally worth trying. And if you say, I don't know, that, you know that's an okay answer. And the other thing is, I, I know at least one person who says he doesn't like to get questions personally from people, but he loves getting questions on email lists. So if it's on an email list, then he'll answer it there. And that way, a large number of people can benefit from the answers. And I see that as a totally legitimate response. Yeah, it's kind of like what, um, yeah, Michael Hartle, he would get requests for help with Ruby on Rails, and he would actually direct people to put the question on Stack Overflow and send him a link for the same reason. Then a lot of people can benefit from the answer. I like that. Anyway, I don't know if we have much more to say on this subject that night. I, I kind of also kind of assume that we could go on for another hour, but uh, I think we need to wrap up. So I'm going to go ahead and go and direct us to the picks. Reuven, do you want to start us off with picks? Sure thing. So I got three picks for this week. First of all, there's an episode of Starbucks for the Rest of Us a few weeks ago about how to set up a mastermind group. And now that I've been a part of one for, I guess, about six months now, I definitely say it's it's the high point of my week. I love it. I, I get a huge amount of inside information from it. And I thought, even though I didn't agree with all the advice they had there, I thought it was a, a great start at why and how to set up a mastermind or find one. Uh, second one is, since we were talking about teaching, uh, I wanted to mention a book from 
one of the professors in my program, but he's just an amazing guy and very smart, called Rethinking Education in the Age of Technology. Um, and a lot of schools like to think, oh, if we stick a lot of computers in the schools and connect them to the internet, then we are using technology in a brilliant way. And the answer is no, 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 you're not really advancing education very much, but you are sounding very cool while you're doing it and probably getting a lot of government money for it. So uh, Alan Collins' book is really quite good. And since we were talking about mentoring, uh, there's a great sketch from The Carol Burnett Show, which those of us who grew up in the Mesozoic will remember. And uh, it's all about trainers and trainees and uh, definitely recommended. Interesting. All right. Mandy, what are your picks? I just have one, and it is for a Samsung 85-inch Ultra HD Smart LED TV. And it's not the TV itself that I'm recommending, but it's the reviews. They are absolutely hilarious. They <laughs> Okay. The Q&A, it says, will the Amazon drone deliver this? The answer is, actually, I believe that Optimus Prime will deliver it for you and have Bumblebee set it up for you. <laughs> Another review says, I was going to fund my daughter's wedding in Hawaii, but I figured this Samsung TV would last much longer. It's a $30,000 TV. Uh, or no, $40,000, excuse me. And the reviews just, you just, you get pages of pages upon funny, funny material. And another one is, um, I just cashed in the college funds and dropped the kids off at the army recruiting station. I got the TV. They got a career. I think it worked out for well for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> And another one says, take my advice and shop around people. I bought a 12 pack of these at Costco and saved a hundred grand. <laughs> so if you want a little chuckle, go to this site, check it out. Maybe add your own review. You know, for a company, Amazon seems to me at least have this image of being extremely humorless. And yet they let some of these products go on with, with funny reviews. And I, I have to hand it to them for that. That's really great. So, uh, I guess I've got a couple of picks here. One that I'm trying out is called Zeef, or Z-E-E-F. Um, and basically, it's kind of a resource center for a particular subject. Not to disappoint anybody, but I've already snagged the topics of Ruby, Ruby on Rails, and freelancing. So <laughs> I'm going to own those pages and uh, try and keep them up to date. But uh, anyway, so it's basically kind of a, a list of links and uh, people can go in and actually, you know, recommend other links to go on there and things. So I'm, I'm working on filling those in and uh, seeing what we get. So anyway, I'm, I'm trying that out. Another one that I've been using lately is called SurveyMonkey. It's free up to a certain point. I don't remember what the limitations are, but uh, I haven't run into them yet. So I guess I can look at the the pricing page here and tell you, but anyway, it's, it's pretty nice. You can have 10. Okay. There you go. 10 questions per survey, a hundred responses per survey. Anyway, it's pretty easy and it, it works out pretty well. So, so that's what I've been playing with lately. And, uh, I'm probably going to put together a listener survey or two just because I want to know a little bit about you. So, uh, keep an ear out for that on the next episode. And, uh, Ali, what are your picks? 
Uh, okay, I just have the two picks. Uh, the first one is a couple of shows late, but I thought I'd mention it anyway. Uh, it's a book called Value-Based Fees by a guy called Alan Weiss. Uh, Wes Weiss, I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name. Uh, and basically, it's a book uh, that goes into a lot of detail about some of the value-based consulting stuff that um, you guys and Brennan were talking about a couple of uh, shows ago. Uh, and secondly, uh, a book called The Last Days of the Inca. Um, I have no background in history or South American history at all, but it was an extremely interesting book it's basically science fiction right it's uh, super soldiers land and are completely invincible to all of the inca warriors that turn up it just so happens they're wearing like armor made out of steel instead of like laser guns and what have you so it was a very interesting book so i thoroughly recommend it all right well i don't think we have any other uh, items of business so thanks for listening we'll catch y'all next week